Four interceptions later and Zach Wilson could not have asked for a worse home debut. The Jets rookie QB heard the boos rain down on him at MetLife Stadium Sunday as the Jets lost 25-6 to the Patriots and are now 0-2 in an ugly start to the season. Is it time to panic or is it too early? What went wrong with Wilson? And were there any bright spots Sunday? We asked the post Steve Serby. Oh yeah, and Sam Darnold is 2-0 by the way. Oh, pain. Here goes it's a brand new gang's all here from the new york post you play to win the game Welcome to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, Jets beat writer Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Brian Coz. Read Coz's coverage in the post, nypost.com, and sign up for Post Sports Plus. 30-day free trial available now. Go and get it. Joining us later in the show will be the Post, Steve Serby. But Coz, 0-2. I'm very curious of the stats for Tankathon and how much of that site goes to Jets fans. I mean, the traffic <laughs> by fan base must be Jets fans. Oh, and two, and I'm trying to avoid thinking about the NFL draft, but wow. Something about the Patriots, do they bring ghosts on the bus with them from Foxborough or however they get here? Is <laughs> one of their employed staff members ghosts? I mean, do you have to send in a resume and a cover letter to be a, a Patriot ghost? This is unbelievable. It happened to Sam Darnold on Monday Night Football a couple years ago and we'll talk about that name in a little bit but zach wilson four picks two off the bat i mean off the hook it's the home opener the fans are pumped up he throws two off the bat the jets lose 25-6 and i don't know about you they should have lost that game like 40 to 6 i mean they're lucky it was only 25 that was just as bad of a home debut i i tweeted it's only up from here you hope so because if it, it gets any worse <laughs> than that it's going to be an 0 and 17 season oh it could get worse i think jake because i i think you know the quarterback played terribly zach wilson was terrible but there were other aspects of the game that were okay for the jets and the defense kept them in the game you know till the probably the third quarter you know they, they were in it in the first half i mean you look up it was 13 3 at halftime they were minus three in turnover margin so it can get worse <laughs> it's, you know it there could be a whole team meltdown that that's going to look worse the thing about the ghosts jake that kind of was standing out to me is the patriots didn't do a lot in this game to like spook zach wilson you go back to that darnold game in 2019 that patriots defense was great like you look at their stats entering that game they were phenomenal they were shutting people out And that night, they ran a lot of cover zero blitzes, which is just bringing the house, no safeties, right? They did that. Then they backed off of it, but they made it look like they were bringing it, and they would back off. And that's what Sam was referring to when he said he was seeing ghosts. He was seeing blitzers that weren't actually blitzing anymore because he had been blitzed so much in the first half. This game with Zach Wilson, Patriots didn't do that. They played their base defense. You know, they dropped into coverage a lot, but they weren't. I I haven't seen the blitz percentage yet, but it didn't seem like they were blitzing a whole lot. And even after the game, Robert Sala said there was nothing exotic about what they did. It was all pretty basic. And you look at the interceptions, they're really on Zach Wilson and not the defense forcing the issue. First one, he tried to force. The first one's the only one you could debate because it was tipped. Was the tipped. other three were very much on that. That one he forced he, it, he forced but throw. it was he, a funky play. He forced a throw. He tried to make a back shoulder throw in the middle of the field to Corey Davis because he saw J.C. Jackson kind of playing over the top. Jackson gets his hand on it, tips it up, and makes the interception. The second one is a, the rollout. He should have just thrown it to Elijah Moore for a five-yard game. Like, he's got to learn to just take the open completion. And not, and then he tried to force it down the field to Corey Davis. 
Davis. Davis said he should have caught it. Probably should have. You can debate it. Went through his hands. Picked off. The third one, he just threw the ball up in the air. Uh, did not make a good throw at all. Picked off. And then the fourth one, there was no one even in the zip code. Uh, I'm, I have to think a wide receiver screwed up on that one, Jake, and ran the wrong route because there's no other explanation for why Zach Wilson would have thrown it where he threw it on the fourth one. You know, if you want to say the first one, credit the defense. Okay. But the other three were just Zach making bad throws. It was painful to watch. I very much am glad I did not go. Uh, I was supposed to. Some people backed out. And then 1130, I got offered free upper level seats. And I was like, is the $80 Uber to MetLife worth it? And the commute worth it at the last minute? And I said, I'm going to pass. And thank God, because I would have been, you know, you would have been having cheese biscuits at the Red Lobster off of my face. I'd be burning. It was hot yesterday. You know, the fans didn't have much reason to get into it. And it was deflating. You know, it's 10 nothing. They're driving. And to end up with a field goal on that drive was deflating. You make it 10-7. I think there's a lot of life in that building. But 10-3 doesn't excite you as much. And then it just went downhill from there. I guess you had to take the field goal. But, man, it was deflating that they couldn't punch that in the end. It's debatable, Jake. I think it's debatable. I think the analytics. Was that the three, right? Yeah, I think the analytics would say go for it there. You know, so. Sound like Luis Rojas over here. Jesus Christ, (laughs) analytics. But um, um, we didn't ask Robert about that. Actually, it's on my list for today to ask him about that decision. I hated the third down play call. They just ran in the middle. Greg Van Roten got absolutely like ragdolled by Lawrence Guy. Uh, they ran the first two plays and third down, just try try a little rollout with Zach Wilson, give him a run pass option, give him a tight end, do something there. I hate running him in the middle on third and short at the two-yard line. So that could be debated. I think Salah would say he just needed, felt he needed to get points on the board right there. It had nothing. All the momentum was going the Patriots away. You know, this was a way to kind of slow that, but I could see how that would be irritating watching at home. Yeah, I, I wasn't in love with the play call either. And didn't help that on the second play of the game, the refs blow a whistle for yeah. forward progress that can't even debate. Anyone who debates is a fool. It was a fumble, yeah, cause. A fumble. I mean, how do you not, how do you stop that play there? Well, they're human, Jake. You know, they make mistakes. So, and they made a mistake. But I hate that that's not reviewable either. They can't even correct the mistake. That was also deflating. You want to talk about a lot of deflating field goal, but really it started off the start of the game that you happened. You can't review it because the whistle blew. So, right? So, if you're Kendall Born, you say, well, I heard the whistle. That's why I let go of the football. I didn't fumble it. You blew the whistle. So, like, how do you review that, right? The whistle blew. The play was over. That's why on, like, near turnovers, they always tell the refs, like, don't blow the whistle. Let it play out, and then we'll review it. So you see a lot of times where it looks like a fumble and then gets overturned. But in this case, they blew the whistle too soon. Nothing you could do there. But boy, you know, I don't, we talked some about how much emotion Robert Sala would show. He showed emotion on that play. <laughs> he was, yeah. he was going crazy on the referee on that play. Like crazy. I can't remember the last time I saw a Jets coach that fired up in an official. It had to be Rex. I can't remember because Bowles never did that and Gates never did that. So uh, it, he was going crazy on the officials. Yeah. He, the only reason he's had a, you know, go crazy is yelling at people because the Jets have done nothing for him to have his usual clapping that I was looking well, forward to seeing. You know, seeing. the TV cameras missed this, Jake. When Marcus May had the third down sack, you remember that play on the blitz over yep, the game? Yep, yep. They came, when As May came off the field, Salah basically met him at the numbers and they jumped into each other. You know, that celebration oh. where you giant. Yeah. And I was like, and they didn't show it on TV. I, I couldn't believe it because I was like, oh, Jets fans would eat this up. Yeah, that would have been a gif and a meme yeah. immediately. I would have loved to see that. Damn. That was really just a buzzkill to start the game. And he can't be a hero on every. I mean, you just got to the league, kid. Throw it away. Take a sack even. 
even. I also thought I would like to see him run more. I don't know if the Jets coaches are saying don't run because Mike White's our backup, but three rushes, 19 yards. He had no runs in his first week. It almost seems like the Jets are saying don't. There's no RPO. There's nothing. There's no package that allows him to run. The kid's got some wheels. I mean, I'd like to see him, you know, in open space. There were a couple times he could have had a hole or he could have ran. He chose not to. Did you notice that or do you think the Jets are kind of playing it safe there? I don't think they would tell him not to run, Jake, necessarily. I know, like, the hard part was, like, preseason and and training camp, they didn't want him doing that stuff because they wanted him in the pocket throwing. So is he trying to work his way out of that? But I had the same thought about designed runs. I think I'm going to try to ask LaFleur about it this week is why not do that more, especially watching the Giants last Thursday and seeing what they did with Daniel Jones on some of the runs, like, Zach Wilson's not Lamar Jackson. I, he might not even be Josh Allen, but he does have some athleticism. But if Daniel Jones could do it, so could oh, you. Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones is not- But I think like he yeah, compares but- to him, and I, I don't know. They might just be worried. He's just like he's just got a small frame. Are they worried that he's going to take too many hits doing that? Some coaches do worry about that. I remember there was, this was an issue with Geno Smith when he was the quarterback. Was how much should he run the ball? So, but I, I do think they could add that element to their offense with a little zone read. That's such a hard thing to defend. If he can do it, we will see if they develop. That as the season goes on. LaFleur's got to change things up. He's got to shake up the game plan. And, uh, I mean, when you throw four picks, there's not much you can do. I mean, yeah. the fact he finished with 210 yards, I mean, you could barely, you can't even look at that number. A lot of that was just yeah, garbage, garbage time, time yardage. Garbage. Yeah, I think LaFleur ran the ball better. I thought LaFleur was committed to the run, which was good. Carter was good. You know, I thought they did some good things in the running game. But again, it's just another hard, ga- hard game to say, like, how was Mike LaFleur's game plan? Last week, they barely had any plays. This week, I had like six plays in the first quarter, which is kind of when you see the game plan right like after that is adjustments and things so it's very hard to evaluate michael floor right now he had a couple explosive moments i'm excited to see more of michael carter but man how about jameson crowder that was a little bit of a shocker the late scratch with that groin injury that you talked about that i guess you know flared up over the weekend you didn't get him back you got keelan cole back and he did absolutely nothing yeah let me play a little conspiracy theorist for you jake you're jameson crowder so for two years you've been on the worst offense in the nfl and you've been the one productive guy on that offense fair right fair to say he's he had two pretty good years so you're due to make 10 million dollars in 2021 which 10 million dollars right that's going to set you up for a long time and the jets in april draft elijah moore and then they come to you and say hey you know jameson here's your choices you take a pay cut or we cut you and good luck on the open market in June finding a job, right? You're going to you're gonna get paid $2 million if you go somewhere else. You can make $5 million with us. Then you get to training camp and you pull your groin. Like, I'm not saying he's faking an injury. He hurts his, he hurts his groin. These players have a choice almost every week to make. Do I push through this injury or do I rest? And if you're Jamison Crowder right now and the team treated you like that this offseason, do you say, you know what, I'm going to play hurt on Sunday because that's what I'm going to do? Or do you say, you know what, I'll, I'll sit back and I'll be 100% before I step on the field. Just saying, Jake, maybe maybe that's in Jameis's mind. Did he have COVID symptoms? He was on the COVID, yeah, on the COVID list. He missed did... week one with COVID, but he was back from COVID. He was fine from COVID. It was, this was a groin injury. All right. Maybe he had some, you know, after effects. You know, COVID did has no, slowed no, no. some. Salah said no. Salah said it was groin. The groin flared up on okay. Friday. But I'm just saying, like, there's consequences. This, these teams think they have all the power and they can cut these guys' salaries. Well, players have some power, too. If I was Jameson Crowder, I wouldn't be going over the top for this team right now with the way they treated me this offseason after everything I did in my first two years for the team. 
I don't disagree with that, but I do think he is also going to be playing for a contract. So, I mean, yeah, if he doesn't play he's against... too old, Jake. He's not playing for a contract anymore. Yeah, but a good year, he could get, you know, one year, $8 million, something like that, if he has a great year. Not that he's going to have a great year because they have all these receivers, yeah. but if he sits against Denver, then I, I would probably agree that something's going on there. And the Broncos are licking their chops thinking that they got the Jets on the Everyone's schedule. Everyone's licking I mean, their chops right now. And just to be clear, Jake, this is me throwing that out there on Crowder. I have no information that that's the case. It just crossed my mind yesterday is like, is this guy maybe not going to put himself at risk for the organization right now, considering how they treated him this offseason? Yeah, I'm on the feds. If he doesn't play next week, coming back from COVID, I know he said he's fine, but you know, some of these guys from COVID, I, I give him give him the break for one week. But if he's out week three, then that's a problem. But Keelan Cole, I mean, was it just because of the interceptions? I mean, he didn't even target Keelan Cole. He was almost not out there. It was like, oh, the Jets are getting a big time, you know, receiver back on the field. And uh, he wasn't even active on the field. Yeah. Do you know what a jag is, Jake? A jag. Yeah. Do you know what a jag is? Besides the football yeah. team? Or? So the jag is a term in football. Just a guy. So a scouts will is, is this common term? Yes. I've never heard of so that. So scouts will say, you know, they ask a scout, how, evaluate this player. They say he's a jag. It's just a guy. Keelan Cole is a jag. He's, you know, nothing special. He'll be okay. He'll have some games where he has five catches for 45 yards. Maybe he gets a touchdown. But, like, if you're thinking Keelan Cole is the answer to your problems, that ain't happening, Jake. We got to get Kaz a cup of coffee this morning. (laughs) Jeez, poor Keelan Cole just getting ripped a new one. A jack. Oh, man, come on. He's a decent, you know, slot receiver. He can do something, but, you know, we'll see. Well, the guy who's supposed to do something is Corey Davis. Also a non-factor. Outside of, you know, Michael Carter flashes, the offense was underwhelming, and it doesn't help that the mystery of Denzel Mims goes on. I know Jeff Smith had a nice catch. He only had two targets. He had that, what was it, 40-yard or 30-yard catch, which was nice to see, but... You can't tell me you'd rather have Jeff Smith out there because he could play the the one special teams play over Denzel Mims. This thing is is getting weird. The fact that he's inactive is mind-blowing. Zach Wilson could use a deep target on the field, and if he's not out there versus Denver, this thing could linger. Yeah, and I'm not sure how he gets out there, Jake. Like, if you listen to Sala after... After the game, you know, they said you got to know all the positions and, you know, that I guess Cole and Jeff Smith know all the positions. But like you said, Cole had no targets in the game. Jeff Smith had two targets, one catch. They said, oh, you got to play special teams. Well, Jeff Smith appeared on one play on special teams. It was uh, he was the gunner on the punt team. Amazingly, Jake, the Jets only punted once. They scored six points and punted once, which is an achievement. And then Keelan Cole played one special teams play. He was back on a kickoff return right before halftime, which I have to think is some kind of like home run kickoff return type of thing where they put him and Elijah Moore back there. But it was a touchback, so it didn't matter. So that's where you're at. And yeah, I think if you look at it, Jake, the ceiling and the floor of players is what you look at, right? And I think the floor right now is probably better for Jeff Smith and for Keelan Cole. You know what those guys are. They've worked harder in training camp whatever like you know what they are but the ceiling for Denzel Mims is much higher that's what you need to be looking at and I mean in 2023 are Jeff Smith and Keelan Cole going to be on this team no could Denzel Mims be part of the answer here yeah and you gotta develop him and I think he's got to play and this is on the coaches to sort of come up with if he can't play 50 plays figure out how to get him on the field for 15 plays call a couple shot plays to him because you saw what Robbie Anderson did against the Jets in week one he had one catch Jake but you know what that catch was a touchdown he reminds me Robbie Anderson, Denzel Mims. He's sort of a one-trick pony right now. Is he a deep threat? But just dial up some shot plays. It's going to help your young quarterback. It just seems like these coaching staff does not like Denzel Mims, Jake, for whatever reason. And maybe they have their reasons. You know, maybe there's stuff behind the scenes we don't know. I've heard a little bit of stuff, but nothing that I felt like was something where he shouldn't be playing. 
I think they want to see a little bit more from him maturity wise, work ethic wise, you know, but all we've heard now, Michael Floor said week one was his best week of practice. He played three snaps. Salah said yesterday he had a really good week of practice, was inactive. So I'm not sure what the guy can do. I don't know if he's going to become a special teams player overnight, Jake, to get on the field. So I, I hope we see him next week because I just think he's got too much talent to be inactive. He's having Jeff Smith active over him. Nice catch and all. But I mean, this is the sign that the Jets season is bad. Braxton Berrios leads the team in targets, catches. Here's how the coaches think, good. though, Jake, that it wasn't about the one catch for Jeff Smith. It was about the one punt at Gunner. That's why he was on the field over Denzel Mims, because they wanted him as the Gunner. And it's like, all right, you can't find anyone else to play cover. <laughs> like, I know it's uh, it's important, but you know they, they had one punt and it was a fair catch. Like in the grand scheme of things, like you can't. There's no the one grand else. scheme of things. Me and you could have been the gunner yeah, if, yeah. for that one. But punt. that's like that's how coaches think, and I guarantee you that's why he was. That's why Jeff Smith was active over Denzel Mims. Is is that one play? They wanted him to be the gunner on the punt team. Oh, oh, the pain! And Mac Jones, twenty-two of thirty, one hundred eighty-six yards, but the key mistake free. The Patriots, sixteen points off turnovers. It's essentially the difference of the game. Don't play hero. Throw it away. Run. Give me a few RPO. Listen, if Daniel Jones, I know Daniel Jones has some athleticism movement. But you've seen Daniel Jones attempt to slide, and you've seen Daniel Jones fumble like a maniac nonstop, 40 turnovers in 28 games or whatever the number is. I'd love to see Zach Wilson run and, you know, slide, avoid getting hit. But, man, it, you know, in, in, when you're getting destroyed like that, there's, I mean, you can't put Mike White in. And listen, I know, and I don't want to keep harping on backup quarterback, but I really wish they had some veteran that could talk to him after those two interceptions. I know that's what the coaches are there for, but someone like a Foles or, I don't know, Flacco. Like, I made I, call Josh McCann. Back, Jake. Yeah, let, let, yeah. Call. Let's call Josh. Let's yeah. let's give him a call. But I mean, you know, I said last year, and I was like, oh, I don't love Flacco, and and you were like, he's a good backup. Well, I would die for Joe Flacco right now to be the Jets backup. I never thought I'd I'd be interested in having Joe Flacco back in the Jets, but I would love to have him just mentor Zach Wilson and maybe come in that game when it gets out of hand. I With mean, the run game, Jake, too. Like you, I don't know. Did you watch the Ravens Chiefs game last night? Or were you locked in on your Mets? Uh, we had the Yankees podcast, okay. so we had we had Nick Turturro yelling about the Yankees, and I was watching the Mets. But I saw I saw the fourth but, quarter. Like, look, Lamar's yeah. Lamar. Like he's a freak. Like there's no there's not. I'm not saying Zach Wilson could be Lamar Jackson, but you see what that element of a quarterback running the ball does to the defense. Now it's 11 against 11, right? You got to account for the quarterback. You saw like Chris Jones, who's a good defensive end on the Chiefs. He was frozen by Lamar because he didn't know whether to go for the running back, go for Lamar. And like he'd end up standing there frozen and Lamar would go around him. Maybe Zach can't do that. I don't know. But he looks like to me, he's pretty quick and he has good footwork. Uh, He's good at eluding the rush. I'd like to see him try to run the ball a little bit. Well, cause it's today's NFL. Today's NFL, you're seeing the best quarterbacks. They're able to be mobile and run. You have to be able to have a quarterback that can move his feet outside of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the one. But Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, some of these great quarterbacks, you're seeing them able to use their feet. And that has to be an option for a rookie when you know when there's pressure and there's a hole in the outside there was multiple times i'm like run i'm yelling at the tv run and he just didn't even think about it and again like like you say the five yard to elijah moore hit him quick boom get the yards you know sometimes five yards is a lot better than four interceptions you know all the time 10 times out of 10 i'll take the short uh, option over that you know the defense john franklin myers has been great the defense played serviceable the cornerbacks aren't getting destroyed like we expected this young cornerback to do obviously they haven't played an elite quarterback yet but so far so good for the defense it'd be nice if the offense could uh, back him up a little bit yeah i've been impressed with the defense jake i thought they were going to be really bad they've been much better than i expected we'll see if they can keep 
keep it up. Like you said, they haven't played a great quarterback yet. Uh, you know, Carolina has good receivers with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. You know, they played a lot of zone, obviously. In this game, Mac Jones was taking what was what the defense was given to him underneath. And that's clearly, you can see Robert Sala's defense now. It's, you know, stay back. Let them have the short stuff. They can, he, he, they'll give up yards. They just don't want to give up points. They've done a good job of it so far. And, you know, I haven't watched Teddy Bridgewater. I haven't watched the Broncos yet, but it looked like they put up good numbers against the Jaguars yesterday. And uh, we all know what they did to the Giants in week one. So this is going to be a, another interesting test for the Jets. Broncos defense is pretty good too. So this this will be, I'm curious to see how the Jets fare in this one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Marcus May was good as we expect. Quincy Williams had a nice, you know, highlight real tackle. You know, now the talk of the town, and we'll talk with Serby about it too, is Sam Darnold is 2-0. He had 305 yards, a 26-7 win, two touchdowns. He's got 584 yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing so far in a 2-0 and season. Did he, listen, throw a pick? did he throw a pick yesterday? He did. He did okay. throw a pick, I believe, in the second half. First half, he lit it up. Second yeah. half, he slowed down, but they still dominated that I mean, football that's game. The key. And- that's the key with Sam to me, is if he can limit the turnovers, then you're talking about a different guy than, than what we saw here, because the turnovers were always what killed him here. And he's had a lot more talent around him, but yeah. listen, you had to move on from him, but it's such a Jetsian <laughs> thing to happen. Yeah. It's such a Jet that Sam Darnold's going to go into Canton this year after <laughs> after being terrible with the Jets. The Panthers are going to end up going on a playoff run when no one expects them to touch the playoffs, and uh, the Jets are going to end up 0-17 with Zach Wilson. Can it get any worse? This, oh, this they're going to win. That the new decade is supposed to start off good, Cause The new decade is supposed to to be good to the Jets. And instead, it seems like the same old thing. I'm not going to yell at Rand because we're only two weeks in. And uh, I'm going to save my voice. Jake. But They're not going to be 0-17. Oh, listen, like, he's, like, he's got to be better next they, week. Yeah. He's got to be better. Well, yeah, it would be hard to be worse. The team could be worse. It's hard for Zach. And his home debut! The, the, the fans are like, they're back in the stadium for the first time in two years. God, when I got back to City Field in April, it was like Christmas. But, God, I can't believe I'm glad I didn't go. I would have loved to be there. And then two minutes into the game, I'm like, thank God I'm on my couch. But Well, it, it, this was this was the old family guy Mets thing yesterday. Here's the first pitch, and the season's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like oh. Zach Wilson's first throw, and the season is over. <laughs> oh, it was really the, the refs mess up, and they call a forward progress, and four interceptions later, the season's over. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the fact they were still in the game kind of in the fourth, it was 22 to you know six. I believe, and they could have scored, made it eight point game. Jake, you, never you look know, at the but... stats. If you look at the stat, just to look at the box score, you take the turnover part of it out of the box score. Like, oh, the Jets won this game. They ran a lot more plays than the Patriots. They had more yards than the Patriots. They they did a lot of good things, but it's hard to overcome four turnovers. For all the good things we said about the Jets' defense. They need to start forcing turnovers as well. They've had one takeaway in two games. Maybe they they should have had two, and the referees screwed them out of that one yesterday. But, you know, you'd like to see them getting their hands on the ball a little bit more. Yeah, and, you know, the schedule isn't going to be kind. The Broncos are looking like, you know, a better team than some expected so far in Denver. Then the Titans, who are coming off an incredible win in overtime against the Seahawks. You know, look at the winnable games. Maybe it's the Falcons in London, that game on October 10th. Maybe it's the Bengals when they come here on Halloween. We'll see if there's spooky ghost uh, Zach Wilson on Halloween at MetLife. But uh, not a lot of winnable games 
on the schedule. My God, how are they going to get to six wins? <laughs> what was I thinking? Saying six and 11. Oh, this could be a two win season again. And uh, the hope is progression. The, you wanted progression. The, the, optimism, win total didn't really the optimism of August has become the reality of September yet again, Jake. It's a poem that Jets fans know so well. That game versus the Titans in two weeks, it's going to be 50 yard line is going to be $40. It's going to be $50. 50 yard <laughs> well, line, $50. After, lower level. after yesterday, the Jets might say, you know, I don't think we should have fans at the games I and mean, you know maybe we should close the stadium down like i thought one of the things that helped the jets last year was not having fans in the stands because things yeah. would have gotten ugly last year with the fans in the stands and well, they got ugly in the first game booze raining game. down yeah he got booed and and I can't even blame the fans. You're out there, you're excited to be back, and you get that crap thrown at you after yeah. you know a season that you were fighting for the first pick. If you're a Jet fan, and I'm not someone who likes to boo my own players, I probably wouldn't have been booing. And Zach Wilson took blame for it. He said they should be booing. But if you're a fan, you have every right to boo that garbage performance that you witnessed. Four interceptions, non-competitive, first game back, you're all excited, 80-degree weather, people are throwing their hard-earned money to go to these games. You know, the tickets weren't that cheap. They're going to get cheaper as the season goes on, but they weren't cheap. You had every right to boo that lackluster trash performance on Sunday. And I'd like to see a much better effort in Denver. I'd like to see a higher score in Denver by the yeah, New York Jets. I mean, garbage, trash, Jake. I, I won't go that far. Zach Wilson had an awful, awful day. And again, you can't pick and choose, but the rest of the team, there were some good things there. And I do think this would have been a game if they hadn't turned the ball over four times. That's a big if, but... There have been worse games in the last five years than yesterday. That's just the thing to keep in perspective. If they played like they played yesterday and they can get the quarterback to throw four touchdowns instead of four four interceptions, now you're rolling. Now you're in good shape. So, you know, maybe that's an optimistic way to look at it. You know, after you take the emotion out of the game, there were some good things to take away from that game for the Jets, I thought. Death taxes and the Jets losing to the Patriots. 11 straight losses. The last time they beat them, the New York Mets were in the World Series. That'll put it in perspective. That feels like a lifetime ago when Lucas due to throw the ball home and that's when you had your Matt Harvey jersey Jake right I was there I was in the they said sir you have to leave the building I'm like I'm staring at the at these Royals celebration and just awe did you watch the 86 documentary Jake I am two out of four parts in and I am talking to Doc Gooden in a few hours so I might have to finish it today so I could talk to Doc about what I've seen but I wish there was a Vegas over under for Lenny Dykstra curse count because I think he's hit like 17 curses already it's on my DVR I haven't watched it yet but you know Jake that it's 10-year-old Kaz was in the building when they won the World Series. Oh, uh, were seven. you? Were you a Mets fan yes, as a kid? I was. Yeah. Oh, look at so that. I was there. And uh, Doc, uh, I have a good relationship with Doc. I actually interviewed Doc when he was in prison. Uh, one of the most, Really? Yeah, one of my most amazing. You're have to have Kaz on Amazing But True. Yeah, it was an amazing uh, experience in my job was interviewing Doc Gooden in prison back in 2006, I want to say. How's the sloppy Joe there? Any good? <laughs> it's better than the General So's chicken in MetLife. <laughs> Oh, no. The poor cafeteria workers at MetLife getting compared to his prison sloppy show with Doc Gooden. Good Lord. We were in a room together, uh, but the surreal part was when I went... He's the nicest guy, by the way. I I would not rip on Doc. He is such a good person. And look, I was so grateful to Doc. Doc and I would write letters to each other. I asked him for the interview, and he granted it. He was great. Uh, But, you know, before I walked in the room, the prison guard that was bringing me to the room said, okay, here's your panic button. So they hand you this little device and like, you know, if anything goes wrong, hit the button and then we'll run in the room. 
So Jeez. yeah, yeah, no, it was pretty crazy. Doc, yep. Doc would never, Doc would just give you a hug. No, no. And I mean, it was amazing for me, Jay, because I grew up a Mets fan and I basically learned how pitching rotations worked because I would ask my dad, when's Doc Gooden pitching? You know, that was all I cared about in 1985 was when Doc Gooden was pitching. And so I learned that like every fifth day and, you know, and we used to try to go to see him pitch. And then like it was 20 years later. You know, I was interviewing him in prison and I've talked to Doc. I talked to Doc the night Johan threw the no hitter. I called Doc and did a story with him then. And, you know, we've talked a few times since then, but I was always grateful to him for that interview. So interviewing Doc in prison and then showing up to Andy Pettit's house in Houston, right? That was the other, <laughs> that was the other cause. Story. Yeah, I've had some, and then chasing Carlos Beltran's car in Puerto Rico. Jake, that's another one too. Brian's book. It's back for season two. <laughs> Oh, man. And uh, yeah, I got to finish that. And uh, two parts in. And so far, so good. A lot of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, of course, with that 86. Yeah, that's the 86 Mets. Yeah, Yeah. it's on my DVR. I'm looking forward to watching it. Well, a guy who was very much a lot, he was a lot older than 10 in the 86 World Series is going to join us next. Sorry to age you. That would be Steve Serby, the New York Post, joins us next here on Gangs All Here. Joining us now for the first time this season, it's been a while, is the Post longtime sports columnist Steve Serby. You can follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Serby. I'm sure, Serby, you are now part of the Post Sports Plus community as well. I'm sure we'll find your exclusive interviews and one-on-ones in Post Sports Plus. How was the press box experience number one for uh, Jets Week 2 on Sunday? Well, it was uh, enjoyable in the in the sense that uh, my colleague Mark Canizero brought some prosciutto bread. <laughs> Which which he buys at a place in Manhattan. That's always a treat. That's the only reason I enjoy seeing Canizero. But but uh, again, sitting next to Kaz and absorbing some of his wisdom is always always a pleasure. Also, uh, unfortunately, we had to sit there for three hours and watch the Jets play football or try. I could have been at my um, my twelve year old son's football game, Jake, which was going on shortly before the Jets kicked off, and the quality of play might have been a little bit better from that team. I don't know. So uh, you might have seen less interceptions in your son's definitely game less interceptions because they don't throw the ball at twelve years old. That much but it was a rough one the thing jake that uh i think kind of got obscured by the four interceptions is the jets would have been in that game if uh they had adequate play at quarterback like the defense was okay the defense at times played well they gave up the long run to damian harris you know they, they didn't force any takeaways but they were okay and the jets could run the ball a little bit not for four interceptions it might have been a close game in the fourth quarter how many times have we heard that over the years the jets would have been in the game if they had adequate play at quarterback <laughs> yeah this is a recording. <laughs> <laughs> Do you put all the blame on Zach? Does the old line get some blame? I mean, some of those picks were just brutal. I mean, yeah, underthrown, yeah. overthrown. It, it was a rough watch. No, this one was on Zach. You know, normally you saw a, a, a difference in the quarterbacks yesterday. Mac Jones was efficient, calculated, poised. He took what the Jets gave him, whereas Belichick took what Zach Wilson gave him. <laughs> I think he tried to be a hero. He tried to be the gunslinger. You know, when Tom Brady was a rookie, Belichick and Charlie Weiss, the offensive coordinator back then, had him manage the game. Zach Wilson has to learn how to manage the game before he starts taking shots and tries to win the game. Yesterday, he lost the game. Yeah, and I thought the play that summed it up, Jake, I just watched... I watched the first half again this morning. I haven't got to the second half yet. But if you remember in the first quarter, the Patriots ran a trick play where it was like a little quarterback, a little bit throwback to the quarterback. And on that play, you couldn't really see it on TV, but Nelson Aguilar was deep. It would have been a touchdown. But instead of throwing deep, Mac Jones just went underneath to the tight end and took 
you know, and I think it was like a 20 yard gain or something like that, but it was a smart play. Maybe the shop works if he throws downfield and they get a touchdown, but maybe he throws an interception if he throws it down there. And he, he made the smart play. And I think, yeah, they, they need Zach to play a little bit more like Mac Jones, but I mean, they're different players. This is what you drafted with Zach Wilson. He takes shots. Remember everyone went gaga on his pro day that he could throw the ball. He could roll to his left and throw 40 yards to his right, whatever. So that's what he's going to do sometimes. And sometimes you're going to have games like they, like he had yesterday. But don't forget, this is not coastal Carolina he's playing anymore. Mike LaFleur and, and, Robert Sala have to have to coach some of that out of him to be a professional quarterback. The wow throws are great. The gunslinger mentality is great. But, you know, Brett Favre was wild in her, his early days, and, and Mike Holmgren coached that out of him. Did he coach he it out of him, though? Fame quarterback. He, he, he didn't coach it out of him, I don't think. I think he tamed he, it a he little tamed bit. It. Yes, he tamed which it. is what they need to do with Zach. Because Favre, I think, is a good comparison. That first interception, that was him thinking, all right, I'm going to throw this 120 miles an hour to Corey Davis's back shoulder. J.C. Jackson got his hand on it. Too gutsy. Some of the, like, the third interception, I don't know what he was doing on that. He just threw the ball up in the air. And then I think the fourth interception might have been a miscommunication with the receiver. It looked like nobody was there. So I'm going to chalk that up to that. But I don't think they need to like completely neuter him. Like This is what you drafted. You know, he's got it, but they, they do have to work on just taming it a little bit and, and getting it under under control. And you remember Serby uh, when Sanchez was a rookie and they gave him the wristband with green, yellow, red, right? And they would say, like, green is be aggressive, yellow is be careful, red is do not take any chances. That's sort of where they're at with Zach, too. I think they just need to tell him, like, the first quarter in a close game is not the time to take crazy chances. How do you think I felt sitting there with Corey Davis on my fantasy team? Oh, brutal. Sam, he was just wasn't awful. Happy. Oh, Jake, that could be another podcast is Serbia and Brazil are discussing their fantasy team every week. I mean, I think there'd be three listeners, but I think, you know, they, they, they could be <laughs> I don't, and I know Cos won't be one of them. I get to listen to it in the press box every week. Yeah. How's your son's team doing, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> oh yes you do yes you do he pretends he has no interest in fantasy football but he he loves it behind the scenes but speaking of uh, zach the other zach wilson the kid's resilient as hell he took a beating because you were there in charlotte in carolina and he got back up and i expect him to do the same again it's going to be ups and downs it's going to be a roller coaster uh, unfortunately for jet fans on a beautiful bright sun splash day home opener new hope new beginning that's not what they came out to see. The Boo Birds were there yesterday again in the home opener. Boy, what a football season, huh? What a New York football season. <laughs> Boo Birds at MetLife for both teams. Boos carrying over from Queens, thumbs down. And I think, guys, he did, uh, you know, if there's one positive to take from Sunday, he did handle the media pretty well after the game, taking accountability and saying, I deserve to be booed. He didn't, you know, boo the fans back like uh, Lindor and Bias. So I, I do think that was a bright spot for a young kid to uh, handle that pretty well. And hopefully he takes that into next week. I covered uh, Richard Todd, who had the misfortune of following Joe Namath. And Todd, uh, at one point in practice, wrote, uh, had Boo Todd etched on the back of his practice jersey, and then on one occasion, flipped the bird to the fans. Not not advisable. He also threw Serbia into a locker, Jake. So. I was going to say, well, didn't he punch you in the face once? <laughs> he threw me into a locker? <laughs> what, what year was that? 83, 81. 81. 81. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was two years old at the time. <laughs> That's etched in stone in uh, in the history of uh, newspapers. What was the energy at MetLife Stadium like? Was it good for a quarter and then it died down? Did people beat the traffic in the third quarter? What was the overall feel in the stadium? Because I didn't I didn't end up making. I don't know. It. 
Cause left in the second quarter. I, I, I couldn't find him. Uh, Jay, it was, you know, typical MetLife. Everyone wasn't in their seat when the game started, but they got there. I thought the period where I felt the energy was, if you remember, the defense had a series where they had two sacks inside the 20. I think it was 10 nothing. I think. And then the, the Jets drove down and got the field goal. It felt like the momentum in the building had shifted, and the crowd was really into it, especially Sheldon Rankin's sack, John Franklin Meyer's sack. They were into it then. They wanted to be into it, you know, but then the life just got sucked out of them. Yeah, it was a it was a late arriving crowd, or as I like to call it, a an early drinking crowd. But <laughs> but Fireman Ed was there in all his glory, and 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 it filled up pretty quick. And this was the start of a new era. They wanted to see this kid they've heard so much about all summer, the second overall pick in the draft. Their hope for the future. Sam Darnold's gone. This is the replacement. This is the guy Joe Douglas wanted. Robert Sala wanted. And uh, it was kind of their version, the Jet fans' version of Deflategate. That place <laughs> deflated awful, awful fast. But again, you're right, Jake. The kid did face the music after the game. That was very impressive. Uh, he acted like he had been there before, not throwing four picks against Coastal Carolina, but uh, he was very poised in the post-game interview session for what that's worth. I think that's still a good sign. Did so- someone asked him if he saw a ghost? Who was that? Ben Volan from the Boston Globe. Oh, uh-huh, okay, yeah. of course. It was a Patriots writer that did it. I was wondering. Someone's going to ask yeah. it. Well, yeah, it I, I don't know if he was seeing ghosts, but sometimes it looked like Belichick was playing with 13 guys on defense. Death taxes and Jets uh, quarterbacks doing terrible against Patriots defenders. And, guys, it doesn't help. You know, Jets fans are waking up Monday morning and looking at the, you know, they saw it already, but if they were at the game and, you know, they didn't see it, they're looking at Sam Darnold's stats Sunday and they're thinking, you got to be kidding me. Sam Darnold has Robbie Anderson back. He's got uh, DJ Moore. And of course, he's got Christian McCaffrey, none of whom he had a year ago. And he's got Joe Brady and Matt Rule a year ago. Who did he have as his coach? Cause? Adam Gase. Oh, but- oh yeah. Right. I I mean, I, I attribute it more to the first part. And also the Saints had major COVID issues, right, on the coaching staff. So I, I'd be curious to watch the game. But, yeah, I mean, look, DJ Moore is a really good receiver. Christian McCaffrey's ridiculous. He's the quarterback's best friend. So those two alone are going to just make Sam a better quarterback. But it's two games. I, I would tell Jets fans, let, let's Christian see how Christian McCaffrey is who I thought Le'Veon Bell would be for Sam Darnold. Yeah. I was dead wrong about no. that, obviously. Le'Veon Bell, currently a member of the Ravens practice squad. How far, how far the, the mighty have fallen. Serby, uh, what was the press box food? You know, the press box food at each stadium is going to be a topic of discussion. What did MetLife bring out? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I never eat the press box food. I, yeah, Serby's the wrong guy to ask, Jake. <laughs> you bring lunch. Sometimes I'll bring some uh, Utopia bagels from uh, my neck of the woods in Bayside. Yes. And uh, best bagels in the world, by the way. I'll bring you some one day, Jake. And, yes, um, please do. But no, I don't. I think they had eggs from what I saw. Something they, they yellow. The breakfast, something yellow. Yeah, breakfast in the morning, but then... And halftime, Jake, the MetLife crew went a little bit out of the box. They got a little risky. Talk about, you know, taking chances like Zach Wilson. They made General So's chicken at half. And oh. oh, was really, that what that stuff was? The press box, not the place to try Chinese food, Jake. It's really the only thing worse than Zach Wilson Sunday was the General So's chicken. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> so, you sorry, had some no. of that. Cos had some of, of it. Of course I had some. I had to try it, sir. I tried it. had a plate yeah. full of it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it didn't look like you hated it. <laughs> but I just, you know, they should stick to the chicken fingers, stick to the stick to the basics, hot dogs, 
the, the General So's chicken was a little bit yeah. of a little Dan- bit of a risk. Dance with who brung you is what Kaz <laughs> is talking about. Take the check down. The hot dog. The hot dog <laughs> is the check down of press box food, Jake. Listen, Charlotte's got Bojangles. At least get some Chick Fil A in there or something. Jesus Christ! Boy, I mean, you ever been to, You should go to a Cowboys game. Jerry Jones puts on a nice, uh, nice spread. That scoreboard of that stadium. It better be on a golden plate, and it better be surf and turf caviar, the finest shrimp and steak you've ever had. Steve Serby, NY Post underscore Serby on. Twitter last one Serby any positives to take from this game I mean I looked at you know Michael Carter had a few nice plays you know CJ Mosley showed that you know he's ready and he's back on that defense the cornerbacks weren't god awful what were some of your positives the offensive line wasn't bad right the no. offense was I mean, yeah. without Mackay Becton, yep. go ahead, Cos. I thought the sack numbers got skewed at the end, sir, because they were just like they were just teeing off. The Jets were just throwing, so Patriots were coming. But early in the game, when it was a game, I thought the line did well. I didn't see a single mistake from Denzel Mims. <laughs> good point. And Jeff Smith's coverage on punting was just phenomenal. It's a good thing. That one punt, Bar- uh, Berrios. How about Berrios? Yeah. Berrios, the guy gets open. Yeah, Honey Nut. They call him Honey. He calls himself Honey Nut. Honey Nut Berrios. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like any time he does put up good numbers, it only means the Jets are getting <laughs> blown out. <laughs> it's never a good sign. Even yeah. though, I like the guy; he's been good. <laughs> At but least it helps his contract situation. Yeah, that's 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 the only positives we got this week. I thought the James defense, Parker. Jake. I thought the defense was a positive. I had such low expectations for this defense, and we talked about it entering the season. You know, with the cornerback situation, all the young players they were playing. I was like, this this could get ugly. Through two games, I think they've been pretty good. So I think that's. A positive right now the defense you expect the defense to have at least try to keep the jets in these games they're coached by robert sala and they love robert sala they'll run through a wall for this guy but unfortunately they lost carl lawson they lost vinnie curry and now he's got a a lot of young kids playing all over the place he's gonna have to be the elite defensive coordinator keep this team in the in these games and he should be able to do that against Teddy Bridgewater in uh, in Denver yeah I'm curious to the week after Ryan Tannehill's that's the first real test I think for this Jets defense is Tennessee what, what he can do in that game but yeah I think Denver they, Denver the problem is going to be against that defense the Broncos defense is pretty good it's also going to be matching up with those receivers Denver's got uh, yeah better receivers yep yeah yep. so the cornerbacks might actually get tested in this one uh, yes. a little bit more they'll need a pass rush in this one Steve Serby follow him on Twitter NY Post underscore Serby. Read his stories in the post. NYPost.com. Post Sports Plus. Serby, good to uh, catch up with you. Kaz, finish those General Charles chickens uh, while you're there. <laughs> Will do, sir. You play to win the game. That'll say goodnight to episode 71, the Bill Pickle edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Brian Mugia for helping me out in producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts. Go in there. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review, please. We appreciate your support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We will be back on Thursday to preview the Jets matchup in Denver with the Broncos. Thanks for listening, folks, and stay safe.